thanks for tuning in to Stable Connections. This is your host, Shauna Burke, and today's episode is joined by Jessica Fry, who lets us in on her journey with Wild Heart Equine Therapy, a 501c3 that she started, and what her goals are for it. Hope you enjoy. So, I'm an AV brat. And when I was 11, my parents moved us all to Spain. We lived off base, but I found out there was a stable on the base. And I was the kid that every birthday cake, every star, every penny in a fountain was, when I'm 12, I want a white horse. When I'm 12, I want a white horse. That was every wish. How did that even come into your mind like why, why a white horse I don't know that's what I wanted that's just what that's that's what I wanted from the time I could talk please God give me a white horse when I turned 12 I talked to my best friend Amy into riding bikes with me to the stable on base so it's probably like five miles we rode all the way there Amy was into drama not into horses she was an actress. So the second we saw the stable and she realized I wasn't leaving, she left me. Okay. <laughs> so I am just like in wonder. There were like probably 15 horses there and I'm just, oh my gosh, look at all these horses. I was in heaven. Had you ever seen a horse before this? Yeah, but I'd never really been up close to him. Like since I was like two years old. There was this woman riding this flea-bitten gray and illusion because we're in spain that's all they have they're like quarter horses and i didn't know it was an andalusian at the time i wouldn't have cared it could have been a pony it doesn't didn't matter the lady's name was tanya and she looked down at me because she's on her horse and she goes do you want to go for a ride with me didn't even know me at all and she was like you can just hop on back I was like okay and I did. I hopped on the back of Hithano and we went riding through the woods. And I will never forget that ride. And that that woman gave me that opportunity. Never. Tanya's out there somewhere, know that you changed a woman's life. So I rode Hitano with this woman and we get back and I'm just telling her how much I love horses and how I really wish I could have a horse. And did she speak English? Yes. Okay. So this, we're on the base. So everyone spoke English. Okay. And she goes, well, you know, there's this horse over there named Pinconera. It's white horse. And the guy that owns her, he never really comes out and rides her. He's this Marine. He rides her in a cavalry saddle. She was pretty, like, down on him. <laughs> not <laughs> super happy with not him. Not super happy with him. And she was like, you should come out and you can work with this horse. Now as an adult, I'm like, oh, she just gave someone's horse, like, away. As a kid, I'm like, <laughs> okay. So I did, like, the next day. I started riding my back out there every day. And then after school, I would walk there. School was, like, two miles. Me and my friend Leslie Rodriguez, we would walk every single day to the stable. And parents were fine with all of this? Yeah, I had a very free childhood. My parents were... Do whatever you want. Yeah, as long as you're safe and, you know... Respectful. Yeah. And, and we lived in Spain. It's a very free country. I don't know. It was in the 90s. So I started riding this horse. Penny is what we called her in English. Although that is not what Pinconetta means. 
think it means dancer, but I can't remember. And I remember that the guy came out one day and I had his horse out and he just kind of went with it. He was just like, okay, this girl now is taking care of my horse. And so I did and I loved that horse to death. And then he moved away because that's what happens in the military. And another guy came, this guy's name was Phil, another Marine, and he bought Penny. Well, I just came with Penny. You weren't getting rid of me. And did you try at all to get your parents to buy? Yes, I did that time. It's a good question. I did try to get my parents to buy Penny when the first guy sold her, but we didn't have any. And Navy, there's no money. So Phil bought him. I came with Penny and I was riding other people's horses at this time too. I'm like, I'm 12 years old now and just riding whatever anyone would give me. And Phil, he wanted to work with this horse a little bit more than the other guy did. And I didn't like it. But you know, it was his horse. What was I gonna do? At one point, he even cut her forelock off. Remember, these are Andalusians. So can you imagine? Oh, I cried, broke my heart. So anyways, eventually he moves away because he has to get stationed. And I, mom and dad, please, can you please buy me this horse? And so my mom went out and took out a personal loan for $1,000 and 12 years old. Penny is my white horse and bought her for me. It was, I could cry right now. So Penny was mine. I rode her for the next two years or saw her or, or did whatever with her every single day until we had to move back to the States. It was really, really sad, but that's what you have to do. So that's what originally got me into horses was Penny. So when we moved back to the States, I started riding this appendix named Levi and I did some showing, local showing. I missed Penny, but this was, this was the, the next step. This was the next horse I could ride. And that year I also read a book called A Leg Up for Lucinda. And it was a book about a young girl who had polio and she had braces on her legs and crutches and she started going to a riding stable and it changed her life. She could ride horses and she was just like the other girls. And I was like, I'm going to do that one day. I'm going to have an equine therapy center. I didn't really know what that meant. And I was 15, 15, 15, but that, that's what I, that's what I was going to do. And so I rode Levi, that was the horse I rode for the next like three years, but really I was in high school. Things took a turn. What state were you in? Florida at this time. Florida. Yeah. And I was enjoying being a teenage girl. Got into concerts, took some alternate routes. <laughs> As we do. As yes. we do. Best learning. <laughs> yeah. And still, this whole time, I'm like, I'm one day when I'm older, people would ask me what you're going to do. And I would be like, oh, I don't know. But I always knew in the back of my head, I was going to have an equine therapy center. There was no other alternative. I didn't even think I'm just going to train horses and have an equine therapy center. Couldn't tell anybody that because how do you do that? I don't know. So when I was 19, I found out that I was going to have a baby on December 7th of 1999. And so we got married, he joined the Air Force. We lived in Mississippi. We lived in Oklahoma, which is where I started riding two Arabians because I was not getting out of horses completely. I had to keep, you know, the smell at least. You have to keep that. It's like what drives you to live. 
And then when we moved to Italy, I started working at this farm on Saturdays. But then we decided to have another kid. We had Reese. And so I, I couldn't go there anymore, not with a baby. And so we spent three years there. Then we moved back to the States. Now we lived in Charleston, South Carolina for his work. And actually he, he got out of the military and he found a job in Charleston. Ended up divorcing, going to Clemson, South Carolina because my brother played football for Clemson. My whole family kind of moved up there to watch him play. So I'm divorced at this point, two kids, haven't probably touched a horse in three, four years. Cocktail waitress, I mean, went to ECPI to be a medical assistant. I seriously, I worked like four jobs. Some of them rather interesting. And this is mid twenties by now. Yeah, I think I was, um, I was 26 when the divorce was final and I had been training horses at this lady's house who lived on Lake Kiwi and had this gorgeous covered arena. But when the divorce took place, I couldn't keep doing that. You don't make a lot of money training just a few horses at a time. You don't make a lot of money training horses, period. But when that ended, I had to move to Greenville so that I could go and be a medical assistant, so that I could work at the insurance job, and so that I could, I was a Miller girl. I bartended girl. Oh, the girls that do like the t-shirt the guns at, no, I did those too. <laughs> Jello shots, t-shirt guns at concerts. Yeah, I mean, you name it, and I did it to, to get through. I had to take care of the kids. But all the while, one day I'm going to start an equine therapy center. One day. Were you at this time trying to figure out how to what the first step was? Oh, no. Day-to-day -day living. I yeah. mean, can I, can I make it through today? Can I make it through the next day? Are my kids okay? Can I make it through today? Can I make it through the next day? Are my kids okay? I mean, that was my life probably for, I'd say three years. And then when I was 28, 29, so anyways, I'm managing this Verizon on Augusta Road. I've had a shit day. My dog died. I'm going out to meet my friends. It's my ex-husband's weekend with the kids. 8.05, bang, 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 bang on the door. I'm like, are you kidding me? I am not helping this human. I walk to the front door, I look, and there's this guy standing out there. I open the door, I'm in stilettos, pencil skirt, and he's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry, I know you're closed. Holds up a razor, by the way, Motorola razor. <laughs> and he's like, my phone just turned back on as I was passing by, my other phone's dying, and it's got my contacts on it, and I need to transfer them to this phone because I can't get a hold of any of my friends. I've been working the past six months out of town. I'm gonna go meet them all out tonight. And I'm like, okay, drama, come on in. I hooked the phones up to the little special machine that's got the, yeah, yeah, the whole wire, the whole thing. But when I pop open his Motorola razor, there's a picture of a chocolate lab on it. My dog had just died. So I look at this guy and I'm like, you know, not only are you keeping me after hours, but my dog died today and it was a chocolate lab and you've got a picture of a chocolate lab on your phone. And he was like, yeah, that's my dog, Roscoe. And he's like, I'm really sorry. <laughs> if I ever see you out, I'll buy you a drink. I'm like, okay, fine. Let me just get you out of here. Finish transfer, hand him the phone, off he goes. Finish counting the cash, close up shop, go downtown to the G spot. It's a bar. <laughs> The gathering spot. Everyone called it the G spot. I walk in, looking for my friends, see him over in a booth, walk over, and there sits this guy at the same booth as my friends. 
And he looks up and he's like, oh shit, I, I guess I owe you that drink. And I was like, yeah, I guess you do. What is, what? And he's like, these are my friends. I'm like, these are my friends. <laughs> he's like, well, turns out he had known them. They all went to high school together. He'd known them for decades. But he'd been out of town so much working, he works in nuclear, that I never met him. I'd only lived in Greenville maybe two, three years, so he was always out of town. So anyway, we ran into each other a few other times like that, and then eventually in December, he asked me out on a date. And on December 4th, we went out on our first date, and I canceled everything else I had for that week. And he made me laugh. He was awesome. He was perfect for me. And in February, I moved in with him that quick. I knew I loved him. He knew he loved me. And I want another kid. And he's Before a, meeting him, you knew you wanted I knew I kid. wanted. I actually wanted five. But my last one is crazy. So he, <laughs> he, he, he put a stop to the baby train in a good way. We're together in, in April. I'm like, you know, I know I want to be with you forever. But I don't think I ever want to get married again. Because it didn't work out very well the first time. He's like, I get it. I want to be with you too. And that's okay. We don't have to get married. I'm like, okay. Well, we decided we were going to have a baby. And we did. So I get pregnant. And then, now this has to do with the story. But when I'm nine months pregnant, I go to the Humane Society and pick out this German Shepherd that's on the, the kill side of the shelter. And they allow me to have him because I train horses. And they're like, oh, well, you can train this dog. dog. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. So anyways, I take him home. We name him Cole. He's incredible. Noah's born. Everything's awesome. So now I've got Ethan, Reese, and Noah. Three awesome kids. Awesome dog. And life is great. We go up to the mountains for a weekend for a family reunion. No one can get a hold of us for that weekend. We had a friend watching the house. We come home and there is blood covering our front porch. We start getting the voicemails in from the police. Our neighbor had shot our dog and our friend that was watching the house wasn't home at the time he was at work. Dog did not die. It was Cole, my German Shepherd. They had put him in the Humane Society for three days bleeding, wouldn't eat, shot him through. It went through his chest, collapsed his lung, through his diaphragm, through his intestines, didn't nick a one, and came out in his abdomen. And they shot him because he got out? They shot him because he got out and he was snarling and barking and they were afraid. So anyways, we get through all that. Did he shoot him and then bring him to the Humane Society? No, the cops came, it was a whole thing. He okay. like bled on our porch for, yeah, and the cops took him to the Humane Society. And then they couldn't get a hold of us so they just let him sit there and bleed for three days. No vet care. I know. Three days. Three days. Oh so we took him to the veterinary clinic, got him all taken care of. He was fine. But we were like, we got we to gotta move. And I'm like, I, I want horses anyways. You know this. Let's find some land. So we pick up a landed home. And my now 12-year-old firstborn, Ethan, looks at this piece of land in Seneca. And he's like, God, that looks pretty. I'm like, okay, well, we'll go look at it. So we drive over, it's 600 acres that they've split up into like hobby farms. And it is stunning. Mountain views, but it's like 40 minutes away from my husband's work. 
but it's just beautiful. Just all pristine pasture. There's nothing there. Long, tall fescue. It was just a hayfield for the longest time. And we end up buying 10 acres. My mom and dad, who have always supported me very much, bought seven, and his dad bought 15. So all told, we had 32 acres. I start nursing school because now we gotta pay for this land, we're getting this house built. I'm already halfway there, I've got my medical assistant. Start nursing school, I start working at Publix. What is Publix? It's a, a grocery store that I guess they don't have in California. They do not. Well, <laughs> listeners, Publix <laughs> is a grocery store, I guess maybe just on the East Coast. It's a nice grocery store. So I'm working in the bakery, we're doing whatever we can. I, I, this land is important. I don't want to leave out that I, so much family support, so much family support. Really important, really, for the whole community at this point. But so we we get the land. It takes us about a year and a half, two years to save up to get this house built. We had to sell our other house. We want to build this house. I'm in nursing school this whole time. And one night, maybe I'm like a year into nursing school. We are camping out at the property. They're just about to start building. Camping out. Really camping in tents? Yes, we're like in tents at the property. Living in tents. No, just like for fun. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> just we took a weekend and we were like, let's go camp at the farm. And we did. And when I got out of the tent in the morning, I look over, you can see like there's rolling hills. That's what the property is. And so the next rolling hill, there's three horses. Those horses, those horses have not been there. And so I'm a, I'm that little girl, I'm that 11 year old again. Oh my gosh, there's horses. Had you been around horses for a while? Just not since I worked on Lake Kiwi in Seneca. I had not been around horses in that long. It had probably been five, six years. It had been, been too long. So I went immediately over there and was like, where do you guys belong? What are you doing here? They needed groceries. <laughs> and there was tons of grass on this property. So we asked the guy that was cutting the hay on that property at the time, Jeff Sparkman. And he goes, oh yeah, those belong to old, I don't even remember the guy's name. And he had a horse rescue. And found out who he was. We went, I just showed up. I was like, hey, three of your horses on our, on our property. I, I see you have a lot of horses. No grass. Do you, you know, do you not want those horses? Like, I'll take those horses. And he was like, well, those are our three riding horses. But you can pick out three more. Oh, wow. Okay. So Mike, bless him, skateboarder, this is your played paintball. Yeah, this is my husband. This is my husband now. This yeah, yeah. is Mike. He was like, okay, well, let's get a fence built. He has never, I mean, he was in construction for a while when he was a teenager, but didn't know anything about neither one of us knew anything about farming about fencing about horse husbandry I could train horses I'd never had one on my own property I boarded I do, do, you know it's very different life once you very do everything yes and get a tractor and do all the things but so anyways we build this fence we're so proud of it I have a great picture of us at the corner of this new fence and we go pick out three horses victory Roscoe, named after that chocolate lab that he had on his phone from back in the day, and Mac, this old Belgian that honestly I thought we were just taking in for hospice. He did not. He was, like yeah. he was gonna 
be that much longer? No. Did you guys name them? They didn't have names? They didn't have names, and they were all relatively thin, except for the Appaloosa, who, you know, I think they can live on concrete. <laughs> and be okay. But so anyways, we get them and it, it was incredible. Noah and I, before school, before going to the bakery, before going to nursing school, we'd go out there in the morning, we'd feed these horses and I was like, oh, this is it. My dream is coming true. I've got land, I've got horses. This is what I wanna do. I knew in the back of my mind, I've gotta train these horses for equine therapy because I don't know how I'm gonna do it, but I gotta start an equine therapy program. Was it easy to find like a farrier and a vet and all of those? No, I just, I had to just, Look, I, I don't know how I did it. Our trimmer was Pete Ramey. He's a very well-known barefoot trimmer who lives in Georgia, but he travels internationally, does clinics, and he just happened to live down the road from us. And so he put me in touch with a lot of other good horse people. You know, I'm training horses, but I, I'm watching videos, I'm reading books, trying to do what I did when I was a kid, in my early 20s, but I'm not really... I'm stumbling around and I don't know my path. I, I, I know what I want it to be, but I don't know how to get there. And so we've got these three horses and um, I get in touch with this other rescue and she's like, well, would you be interested in boarding? And I'm like, well, yeah, I'll take a couple. You know, we'll do one or two. So I board one or two horses. So I have five horses total. And I get this phone call one day from a Colorado number. And I don't typically answer, you know, it's spam, not answering, but I answered. So on my way to my mom and dad's house, I'll never forget. We were driving to my mom and dad's house for dinner and I answer. This lady's on the phone. She goes, hi, are you Jessica? I'm like, yes, I am. I got your number from the veterinarian and um, she said that you might board horses. And I was like, well, not really, because nursing school t takes up a lot of time. I was like, but you know, what, what, what do you need? Like, what's going on? She goes, well... I was gonna board my horse with your neighbor. She called me just a week ago and said I could no longer board with her and I'm moving there in a week. And I have no place to board my horse. And he's 29 and I've had him since he was eight and he's blind. And I was like, well, I hate you can't see the place, but you know, if you wanna, yeah, come on. I'll definitely, you can bring him. So October 29th, now it's 2014, 9 p.m. She shows up with this horse in this old two-horse trailer from like the 70s. Janine hauled that horse across the whole country. She's an incredible hauler. I mean, she's just so good at it all by herself. She's just amazing. So she boards. This horse needs to be fed three times a day. So she's at the farm a lot. He has no teeth. She started talking about how she volunteered at the equine therapy center in denver pikes pikes equine therapy i'm not i can't remember what it's called and so she knew a little bit about equine therapy and i'm like oh yeah i've wanted to start an equine therapy program for a long time and she's like well i have a, a lot of experience in startups she had done startups the last 20 years like starting big companies yeah there's a reason this lady came into your life obviously there's a reason she came into my life and so I was like, well, I'd really like to start an equine therapy. She was like, well, let's do it. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. So I went and got a certification and we got our nonprofit established in July of 2015. And I just put on Facebook, Wild Hearts Equine Therapy Center. We're starting this equine therapy center. If you have any, you know, needs, da, 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 da. 
and we get one client, five okay. years old, on the autism spectrum. She rode Mac. She's still our client to this day, almost seven years later. You know, the way we really got going was Janine and I, this became our life's work. It became our life's work. We didn't stop. We went into every shop, every chamber of commerce, everything we could go to, we went to. Can we do a presentation here? Can we do a presentation there? And we got better and better every time we did it. And just to let people know that you exist for one thing, yes. to network and learn and educate. Yes. Oconee County is the county we live in. And they had nothing like this. What do you think stood out about yours? The training. So I'm still kind of fumbling around my horse training at this point. But our equine therapy, we're really going. We go from one client to me telling Janine one day, we've got to get some more clients. We're a nonprofit. I think we had like five clients that year. I'm like, we got to get more clients. And meanwhile, I'm still trying to work on who I am as a horsewoman and really figure that out and where I want to be. And I, I try some different things, you know. I try the I try the obstacles, I try the flags, I try the tarps, I try this. None of it felt good. None of it. So I, I'd give it a go because everybody else in my area is doing it. So I was like, well, they're getting clients because I'm still starting colts and everything at this time too. I'm not, I'm not completely focused on the equine therapy program because I've got to make money. Also, I quit nursing school because the farm really started taking off in terms of boarding and you know equine therapy. We had five clients. So anyways, six months left in nursing school. Quit that. Um, <laughs> it wasn't my path anyways. It was a stepping stone. But so I was really struggling with what I wanted to do. At this point, Pete Ramey had gone on tour clinicking and had given us one of his partners, Cindy Medicine Hawk. He's another barefoot trimmer. And said, you know, try her out. I think you'll really like her. She's a fabulous last name. She's incredible. So she started coming out and doing our horse's hooves. I think we had maybe seven horses at this time. Most of them, a couple of them boarders. Still, you know, really trying to get this equine therapy program off the ground. Janine being so good at Star, I could have never done this without her. So yes, I've got the vision, but she, you can't do it with just vision. You just can't. You can have all the vision you want in the world. And if you don't have someone that says, you have to do A, B, and C, it's not gonna happen. And Janine was that person think the universe that she came into my life. And it was just me, I was the facilitator, Janine was the volunteer, and then I think we had like one of our boarders was a volunteer, Janie Speed, I had another lady, Kay Gilmore, she, all from the beginning, Jean Ellen, Zavertnik, they, they were volunteers and they boarded horses there too. Our trimmer is cleaning out her library of horse books. And she brings this whole bin. And I don't really read a lot of different horse books because I feel like it kind of fills my head with trash. So I just, I don't. I don't need to know how everybody else does it because then I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna find my way. But I picked up one. I picked up Horses Never Lie. And this is, gosh, this is probably five years ago. And I read it like in a day. And it spoke to my heart the way nothing had since I was a young woman living in Spain. The way nothing had. And nobody taught me anything in Spain. The horses taught me. 
I was like, I gotta find this guy. Who is this guy? I have got to find this guy. Mark Rashid, okay. Well, I'm just gonna, let me type it in. He had a clinic like two months from that time in Apex, which is like four and a half hours from us, five hours. Janine, we gotta go, we gotta go audit this clinic. We have to go. Did you have her read the book as well? Yes. So we drive up to Apex. We show up and it's the demo, Thursday night, they do a demo. There's maybe seven, eight people there. It's a small, we're just, you know, sitting around and I'm like, this, this is where, this is my path. Like this is, so to me, I am like a young actress, actress sitting next to Tom Hanks. Like this, this is my path. And I don't care about stuff like that. I don't care about movie stars. I just, I don't care about, I don't care about anything. This is my path. What about him stood out to you? Or what about the book stood out to you? The way he loved the horses. The way he truly wanted to help the horses. And the way he did it. Almost to me, first reading that book, he did it through passion and, and love and listening. Not through technique and force. Not that he doesn't have tons of technique, but... But that's not what comes through first. What comes through first is love for the horse. And God, that just got me. And so I'm sitting there with Janine, and I'm like just a giddy schoolgirl. So, anyways, we're sitting there, and Mark starts talking about a bado. Maybe it was blending or softness or centering, but he needed a volunteer. And I'm I would I would not volunteer. I'm just sitting there and he goes come on up and I was like my face Janine was like Jesus I mean <laughs> I was just so excited like oh my gosh this is he huh okay and so I don't the rest of the night honest to God is a war is a it's a you block. blacked out I blacked out <laughs> I completely blacked out because I had found my path I had found it and I was not getting off of it no matter what, I was not going to get off of this path. So I watch him all weekend, me and Janine. And at the end of the weekend, he's brushing his horses. It's Sunday night. It's dark. He's done working all weekend. I know he's done. In my heart, I know he's done. Probably don't want to talk to me, but I'm so afraid I'm not going to get another chance. So he's brushing his horses and I go up to him and I'm like, hi, Mr. Rashid, can I ask you a question? And he goes, let me get finished brushing my horses. <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, of course, absolutely. Finishes up with his horses, looks at me and I'm like, how do I do this? How do I come work with you? What do I do? And he's just like, well, you know, sometimes we have student instructors and sometimes we do that. And I'm like, okay, well, how can I do that? And he's like, well, didn't really give an answer. There wasn't really an answer. There's not like a, Take this step, take this step, take this step, take this step. Which is the amazing part of what he and Chrissy do. And also as someone that is looking for their path, frustrating as hell. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> what, what do you mean? Can't you just tell me what level I need to be and then I'll just work until I'm there? Yeah. No, not how it works. So, okay, go back home, 
minds are blown. I'm trying to do this stuff with the horses that we have. I think we've got maybe eight or nine horses at this point. So we're probably in our second year. Doubled our clients. I think we had like between 10 and 15 clients. I go again to audit. And I, I mean, mind blown again. Third year. Did you get all the rest of his books and do all the I things? read everything he ever wrote, including his fiction. I mean, whatever. If he wrote it, I was reading it because I am trying to. And I didn't read. Of course, I don't read anything else that has to do with horses. And I'm trying to learn about neuromuscular dentistry. And I'm trying. I'm, I mean, I want to do everything in this way because it speaks to me. It, it, it's so, it's almost, lo it's logical. Of course that this is how things would be. It just made so much sense to me. So third year, we double our clientele again at Wild Hearts Equine Therapy Center. Now I think we've got like 40 clients. This whole time, Janine and I are hustling. We hustle all the time. Presentations, fundraisers, information, newspaper, the mayor. I mean, we're really good friends with the mayor at this point because probably we wouldn't get out of his face for two years. Yeah, <laughs> so he forced it. He, we forced it until he, until he accepted us into his fold. So then we were like, I can't, I can't train all these horses, run the business, do all the maintenance, feed all these do horses, the do the sessions. I can't do all this. We've and got- And raise three children. And raise three children. <laughs> all, and be a wife. And be a wife. It, it's, Yes, it was a lot, but it's my passion. It's what I, I want to do. Now we can hire facilitators. So we get a pastor to facilitator, Meredith Donaldson, and she's incredible. And we still have Meredith. And then we hired Lauren who worked under Meredith at, at Clemson. So now we've got, now we're doing facilitator trainings. Cause now I'm going to Mark to these, to these places in Apex and I'm trying to bring this back. So then third year, I haul Scout, who is a horse that I had to rehab for like two years just because of he troubled past. So I brought him and I meet Chrissy that year. And I show up in an equine therapy bareback pad. I don't have a saddle that fits Scout. I still don't. Equine therapy bareback pad. Well, we use the Little Joe therapy bareback pads. They're incredible. They're super soft. They've got handles, um, not for the clients, but so that we can lock on mm -hmm. really well. I'm riding around and Chrissy is so sweet and I had Chrissy do body work and she's like, do you want to try this side pull? I think the side pull would really work well. And I'm like, I will do whatever, first of all, that you tell me to do. You tell me, yes, absolutely. And so we talked kind of the weekend and I remember she comes over to Scout and she looks up at me and she goes, you know, I just want to let you know that I really like you. And I, being the dork that I am, look down at her and go, I love you too. And so we're leaving. Sunday we're leaving. And um, Mark comes up and he gives me a hug. We've loaded Scout up. And he's like, you ought to come to one of our clinics in Colorado. So two months later, I come to the five day. I find out what a student instructor is because I meet Greg and I meet Dev. And boy, were they instrumental in helping me understand what this path really was. Just how the work was in here, was inside. And it didn't matter what I did on the outside or what I fumbled with or what, this, the work was here. Instrumental, Those, that five days. And so I left that five days and I was just 
again, blown away, go back home, try to teach it as best I can to now, I think we have five facilitators at this point. And I struggle. I mean, I struggle because that's the work. The work is practice and struggle and, and get better and get a little not so good and get better. Fumble. And, and, and fumble. Yeah. And that, that's the one that, that was, that was the work for me. Teach what was the five day like if someone hasn't experienced it? What is the experience? It like? was a bado light in the morning. We didn't go in the dojo. We did like blending exercises. And what the, is a bado if someone oh, doesn't know what it is? It's a keto for horsemen. And until I actually did it, I didn't understand how instrumental it was in me becoming a better horsewoman. I don't see how you can become a good horsewoman without it at this point. And I'm trying to figure out how I can train my volunteers better, how we can better train our facilitators, because for me, the true equine therapy is this work. It's not setting up triggers or walking horses through obstacle courses or... So after the five day, we're really tightening our focus because I'm really starting to see where we need to be and where we need to be with these horses and how important it is to help these horses feel good about what they're doing so they want to connect with people. Trying to train that was really hard and it still is. But the fourth year, I took, everybody came. We had like, I don't know, 15 auditors and a bunch of us rode because I needed our facilitators in order to help our clients feel this way, this softness, this regulation. I needed them to be there. I, I, can't, I can't teach what they can teach. I, I don't care how hard I try. It's, it's going to be different when it comes from them. Through this work, our program narrowed its focus with the horses in such a way that it enabled us to be incredibly successful at helping our community. We see now 100 clients a week. We have 35 horses, eight facilitators, five feed staff. And I mean, this was three years ago, Janine and I were feeding all the horses. A wonderful board. We received an incredible grant from the state of South Carolina to build a covered arena. Oconee County has completely supported us because what we are doing through this work is really changing people's lives. And we do work with intellectual disabilities, emotional disabilities, and physical disabilities. And most of our clients are emotional because right now in Oconee County, our suicide rate is 17%. And that's for young people under the age of 24. And those are a lot of our clients. You know, thinking back to being 15 and thinking, oh, I'm gonna start this equine therapy program. And I just needed to know what I wanted to do. And yes, I took a long route to get there. But now I'm 40 and we're there. We're there and we're still hustling and we're still growing because I won't stop because it, we are, we're helping so many people. We touch so many lives. Our horses touch so many lives. And really we want to help people for free. So we provide a lot of scholarships and, and we do this work. And I could not 
do what I do with Wild Hearts Equine Therapy Center if it wasn't for Mark and Chrissy and their student instructors and the people that they surround themselves with. Through helping me find my path, they have truly helped thousands of people just in the state of South Carolina. It's an incredible thing to think about. Equine therapy needs help, I think, on a grand scale because the average rate for a horse to burn out of equine therapy is two years. That's the statistic. And I have horses at, in our program that have been working for the whole time, but it's because of the way we talk to them and the way we listen. And it's not that much harder to do. Truly, what needs to evolve and change in working with horses in the equine therapy world is how we do it and how we see them. They're not tools. They're just not. They are sentient beings that we are essentially forcing to work in something that they, they have no control over. That's a huge responsibility. We have to be responsible for their emotional well-being and their mental health and their physical well-being. We can't just ask them to work and then, you know, not care when they get metabolic syndrome and they're falling off the rails because they don't understand what's being asked of them. And then we get mad. It doesn't have to be that way. It's really simple just to take care of those horses. So at Wild Hearts, we started the Wild Hearts Equine Partnership Program. And I've asked Mark and Chrissy if we can incorporate this work into it and they gave us their blessing. And that's what we do. We do five days and other equine therapy centers or startup equine therapy centers send people to us and we teach them how to work with their horses in a way that their horses can better understand what's being asked of them how to feed them better, what neuromuscular dentistry is, what Dr. Steve Peters has, has taught the world now and his quest to, to educate us all about the equine brain, the best way to support them with Masterson method and body work, and how to listen to them when they say, this is a little too much for me right now. We try to cram all of that in five days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we do what we can but we're making a difference. And if someone wanted to get a hold of you to learn more about your program, to volunteer, any of that, how do they do that? They can email me at jessica, it's very long, at wildheartsequinetherapy.org or they can just get on our website, wildheartsequinetherapy.org and click on the link. They can also call 864-991-9163. Albert Einstein has a quote that says, strive not to be a success, but rather to be a value. And that's our goal. Cool. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for chatting with me. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in to Stable Connections. This is your host, Shauna Burke. Don't forget to subscribe on Spotify, like, comment, share on both Instagram and Facebook. And if you or someone you know wants to chat with me, don't forget to email stableconnections.sb at gmail.com. New episodes will come out every Monday morning starting January 2022. See you next week.